Welcome to the Pursuit Rooted Podcast. I am Joseph Johnson, and this is Matt Wallace, not my lovely wife, <laughs> Samantha Johnson. Uh, Matt's joined us tonight, and if you've been to Pursuit, then you know that Matt and Bree are our worship leading team. Um, but if you don't come to Pursuit, then here's Matt Wallace. He's a worship leader extraordinaire. So he's joining us tonight, and we're going to continue our our sermon series. Yeah sermon series, podcast series over um, the uh, spiritual practices, these vital spiritual, um, I want to say, say disciplines, because I think in s- some of these are traditional spiritual disciplines, but some of them wouldn't typically be looked at as like a tra- as traditional spiritual discipline. Um, but they're, I think they're vital to the life of a believer. So um, if you're not coming out to pursuit, then we want to invite you out. Yeah, we meet first and third Sunday at 6 p.m. most of the time. Uh, if we do have a change of schedule, we put that up on social media, so follow us so you can see that. Um, but sometimes we go out, like we just met at Lake Reba the mm-hmm. other day, and we had worship in the park. We've had worship at the Pinnacles, mm-hmm. and yeah, we it's a, it's a good time. We have a really good time. So um, we'd love to see you come out and join us, but um, yeah, now we'll go ahead and dive on in. All right. To this week, we're talking about community. So we've talked about prayer. We've talked about fasting. Now we are talking about community, and then we'll do next week's later, but we're going to save that one. Yep. Yeah. Um, so what is community, Matt? Like, let's just go ahead and, and break this open. Like, when we say community, what do we mean by that? Does that yeah. mean I, I watch the live stream on Sunday mornings? Yeah, I mean, do you watch do you do you watch the live stream? You know, do you like sometimes you know like a Facebook post from our hop? You know, what what mm-hmm. does that look like? I think it's a good question. I think that's such a churchy word that we've made, and I think it's become such a churchy word. Yeah, um, in recent years, it's like become popular to talk about community. But I think, um, and we'll talk about this more. But I think really community is you know a body of believers that you're plugged into, that you're rooted with, that you're, you know, doing life with these maybe people that you go to church with. They may be people that you don't go to church with, that you're just connected with, but you're, mm-hmm. you know, you're walking through life with them and you're kind of gleaning from one another, you know, like they're pouring into your life, you're pouring into theirs, you're like locked arms together, um, going through this and like going in, you know, fulfilling the call of God in your life and performing the will of God. And, you know, whether that's evangelizing or working mm-hmm. together, or doing missions together, whatever it is, like it's all just, a body of believers that are working together on a day in day out basis. Yeah, and I, I like what you said that it it's you would expect it to be people that we're we're doing life with, going to church with every single day. Um, but I also have people who I would consider a part of my community mm-hmm. who are who are in Indiana, mm-hmm. who I I get to see you know a few times a year, but I stay in contact with them throughout the year. And if I need them, I know that they're there for me. Um, and when we when we get together, it's like. We can have those open, complete, yeah. honest communication. Uh, man, this is what's been going going on in my life. This is what I've been struggling with. This is what I need you to pray with me about. Um, we can have fun. We can go camping together. Yeah. Uh, but I don't get to see them often. You know, I have another friend who um, who's a he was a pastor and now he's like really involved in this missionary organization. He's just traveling all the time. But we try to make time to to text regularly, but uh, to call occasionally. But he. Um, He's just an incredible person, but he's not somebody I go to church with every Sunday. But he's somebody who I have I've had a deep connection with for a few years now. And when I need something, I go to him. I I, I call him the pastor's pastor. Like yeah. if you if you ever get a chance to meet, if he ever comes around here, I'll, I'll have to introduce you. But he's like he's like a, a pastor's pastor. Um, so whenever I'm you know maybe I'm struggling with something, I need some wisdom on something, um, and I need an unbiased opinion. 
I go to him. Yep. You know, that's somebody I'll, I'll, I'll go to. Maybe he doesn't know anything about our community at all. Sure. And, uh, and he, always, he always has some really good wisdom to give. And um, so it's important to have these different facets to your community. You know, community traditionally is the people we're doing life with, yes. Um, but maybe you do have some people who you are deeply connected with who you don't get to see all the time. They can still be your community, but they can't be your only community. Yeah. You know, if, if I only had friends that were, that were far off that I wasn't actually doing life with, then, like, that's what kind of community would that yeah. be? And that's what we're actually about to get into is, like, isolation. Yeah, sure. So that would be a, an example of, for me of, like, isolation. If I just came to church and I, didn't, I wasn't connected to anybody here, but I had, you know, Christian community and friends that was away from here, mm-hmm. well, I'm still effectively isolated because yeah. I'm not connecting with people day in and day out. I'm not being doing life with people here. Sure. So why, why is isolation such a problem? What do yeah. you think? Yeah, I think it's really just because, you know, if you look at, you know, from the very beginning, you know, we see, you know, Jesus begin his ministry and immediately he gathers a group of people to, to be around him and learn from him and they learn from each other. Mm-hmm. And I think really like, you know, um, you know, I think it even starts like from the beginning, you know, whenever God says, look at Adam and says, it's not good for man to be alone. Like, you know, from the very beginning, like God's heart is a heart for community and it's a mm-hmm. heart for none of us to live in isolation because no man is an island. And again, it's like why Jesus, you know, leaves the 99 to find, to go and find the one because he cares about us individually, but then us as a group as well, because he knows that we're more powerful together and we're stronger together. We're more whole when we're together and doing, and doing this thing together. And I think, too, like we throw around that term again. That's another like churchy term, like doing life together. But doing like life doing together. life together. Yeah, yeah. But like you know, it's really like you said, you know, like le- like leaning on one another, and really like, these are your, these are your people that you're mm-hmm. are your friends. And I think isolation is so is so dangerous because you know, like from the, like just because you know, like you said, you know, if you all of your friends that you're like that are like you're spiritually connected to are far away, even though you could talk to them at the, on the phone at any given time, like it's different than like being able to sit down in a conversation like we're having right here. Yeah. Really being in each other's presence. So, yeah. Yeah. And you know, I've, um, I've experienced seasons of where, you know, especially early on where maybe, um, I got discouraged, mm-hmm. maybe got offended, something like that. And called me to cause me to pull back, pull away. And what that does is when you're, when you isolate yourself, you are making yourself susceptible to just, to, to just the enemy coming in your life and wreaking havoc. Um, you know, Ecclesiastes 4.12 says, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves, and if a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. You know, if I'm by myself, then I don't have anybody to to lift me up if, if, I'm, if I'm, you know, maybe I get into a place of weakness where I need that, and maybe I'm not seeing things clearly, I'm not thinking clearly, um, and I'm not relying on God like I need to, so I need somebody to come alongside and say, hey, this isn't who you are. Like, you know, let's get back up. Let's get back on the right path. Let's get back focused on truth. Um because what's going to happen is that if I can get isolated and the enemy can feed a lie into my mind, well, now he's, that's, that's like, you know, Paul talks about the spiritual armor, the fiery arrows of the enemy. What are the fiery arrows? They're, they're the lies that he tries to penetrate our minds with. Well, what does that do? That arrow comes in, it damages me, but that fire will continue to burn long after the arrow has been in, inflicting the damage. And that's what a lie does. Mm-hmm. A lie will come in, but then it begins to infect. It's like a cancer and it grows. So if I don't have people around me, I'm just going to be, uh, all I'm hearing is myself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as much as we want to say, I would just, I would just trust in God, just rely on God. Like, I, I'm, I'm not saying you can't do that, mm-hmm. but I'm just saying that's not the way God designed you to be. Like, it's just not the way he designed you. It's not that you, you can't 
trust in God and you can't rely on God. It's not what I'm saying at all. There's people who who have left everything to go be missionaries in other countries and they've been alone and it's just been them and God. God that can you can be sustained by God in that and sure. we should be we should be able to be sustained by God. But why willingly choose that when we don't have to? Yeah. When God didn't design us to be that sure. way. Um, yeah, so that that's that's what I'm I'm seeing when I think about isolation and also the fact is is that we are weaker when we're not together. Yeah. The the church can come together and bring its resources, bring its just we're this multi-ethnic, multiracial, you know, multi-gifted, multifaceted family that comes together and we are coming together for the purpose of seeing the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. And when we come together to do that, we are much more effective yeah. when we're unified and we're focused on the same thing. Um, <clears throat> but if we're isolated, we're apart from each other, we're not doing life with each other, we're not, we're not working together in this, well, now we're only as effective as our strength, and we don't have that synergistic effect of coming together and seeing the kingdom flow through all of us together. Yeah. Um, so that, those are those are kind of the main things for isolation that I see. Um, but let's go. I want I want you to touch on something here. Like, there's been a time in your life when you weren't in ministry, mm-hmm. right? Have you? Did you just come out like with a Bible, preaching the gospel? Um, I don't been, say. Did, if you, been preaching don't since say I yes. was 11. Okay, so yes. he said yes. Been a long time. <laughs> he said yes. Okay. All right. Um, <laughs> well, I was gonna say what what would um, what would be your thoughts on the issue of isolation in the body of Christ from a from a non ministry mm-hmm. standpoint versus a ministry standpoint. So as much as you can, sure, yeah. I mean, not all of us were born preaching, right. but but as much as you can, like uh, speak to that. Like, what is it like from a non ministry standpoint? You know, dealing with isolation in the body of Christ. Yeah, so I think too, like I think back, you know, me like just joking around, like I've been preaching forever, and I and like feels like I have been like in over more than half of my life now. I've like after I felt the call of God to preach, and I've been I've been doing that. But there's been seasons in my life where I've like um, fallen away from God, and I find I found myself in those positions of isolation very much. Mm-hmm. So like I remember um, whenever I went, I, I'm a pharmacist, went to pharmacy school in Memphis, and I lived out there, you know six hours away from anybody and everybody. And I had a community that was back home, but like I found myself in this place of isolation. And just like we were just saying, you know, like in isolation, like your, your mind, you become your only, it's easy for you to, if you're not let, allowing the Holy Spirit to pour into your life and allowing the word of God to pour into your life, you become your, your source of truth. And like, like we, like y'all just got done talking about, like in the last sermon series about interpreting the word of God, like mm-hmm. you are the one interpreting the word of God. And like, you can, like, it's easy for the enemy to come and get a foothold and like, change your interpretations of things or like shift you to make you like not think that you believe a certain way but i think even even as a minister and like the like recognize the call of god in my life i look back on those seasons where the call of god was almost an anchor to me like it was the thing that like kept me sure if that makes sense and and if i hadn't have had that on my life i it would have been i feel like so much easier for me, like if I didn't have that line, if I didn't have that anchor, like that, I could have easily been swayed. It could have easily like allowed isolation to take me out. And I remember somebody told me one time, like you know, like we've already talked about, like isolation breeds temptation. Isolation, isolation breeds compromise. And I think mm-hmm. that's the same whether you're a minister or you're not. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think really for for the person who's like not in ministry leadership, I think really like getting yourself connected with people. Who, you, who are doing ministry because whether or not you have a formal call on your life 
to, to do like a name to ministry. Like we're all called to be ministers of the gospel. We're all called to be mm-hmm. disciples. But really like getting yourself plugged in with people who are doing ministry um, so that you can like begin to see those things in your own life I think is super important. But I think even as a, as a minister, I think it's important to not be alone because again, like you said, like if you fall, like who's going to be there to pick you up or mm-hmm. if like there's, if there's something that you need correction in, like to understand something, I think it's so valuable to have those older people in your life or even, even if they're the same age as you, but they just have like a deeper understanding of the spirit or deeper understanding of the word. It's so important to have those people in your life, um, whether you're a minister or you're not. So, yeah, yeah. I, I agree with everything you said there and, <clears throat> you know, coming, Coming at it from, because I, I, I do remember a time when I wasn't preaching and, and pastoring, and, uh, you know, it was just, uh, I was still a minister of the gospel, because we're all called mm-hmm. to minister. We're all called to serve and to serve as Jesus does. But um, whenever I moved into to the kind of role that I've been now for a while, which is pastoring young adults, like, that was a different aspect of it. Mm-hmm. And our church isn't so big. Mm-hmm. Um, that I think this is much of a problem. But in many communities where it is a very large community, moving into a role of like pastoral leadership is like isolation. Like you, you, you were on a, it's almost kind of seems like you're on an Island over there. And because people, when people come to you, they're needing something from you. And of course, like that's what you're there for. You're there to be a shepherd. You're there to help. Um, but if you don't, if you're not intentional about cultivating that community, which requires you to be transparent and real with people. Mm-hmm. But also, like, I, I expect that from the people I'm cultivating things with. Like, we've sat down and had conversations before, and I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open up to you, but I expect you, to, you you're going to open up to me too, and we're going to talk about stuff, And because I know that's something you're passionate about, is being real and genuine with each other. And I'm trying to do a better job of, of doing that. Um, but sometimes you, you, could, you can find yourself in a community uh, where the leaders aren't necessarily like that. And I if thankfully I don't feel like that's that's what we have here and uh, and I think we, but we have to be intentional about about not letting it become like that um, and a lot of times people who get into they, they start evangelizing they start traveling they're doing the itinerant work they're by themselves mm-hmm. and every night they're ministering somewhere to people who are just needing them needing them and yet you know they're, they're just pouring out and pouring out and pouring out and they don't have that community locked in around them and then they then they become isolated then they become cynical and then it just just it just progresses and and i always go to in my mind i always go to genesis where after joseph died it says you know a pharaoh rose up that didn't know joseph he he didn't know israel mm-hmm. and that the way that that passage brings it out it, it it was something i felt like the holy spirit taught me a long time ago about like having distance between people having that isolation but israel was over here in goshen and then you have this pharaoh that comes up and he's like, I don't know these people. Well, you know, well, and he starts, he starts assuming all these terrible things that are going to happen. And then what happens is it leads to Israel being enslaved. Now, of course, God prophesied that to Abraham. But the, the point still stands is that uh, that distance, that lack of communication, that lack of community, that lack of transparency, that lack of doing life together, it it can breed uh, paranoia. And that's what happened here with, with, with Pharaoh. It's like there's just paranoia, and paranoia is like devil's playground. Like, yeah. you're paranoid, enemy's going to come in, and he's just, he's just feeding lies in, and you're, you're taking them hook, line, and sinker. And that's where we have to be mindful about those things. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so that's something that's a passage that's always kind of stuck out to me yeah. uh, about that. So, yeah. I think too, like you know, you're talking about like in that place of you know ministry and whatever it is, you know, like wherever you're in a position where you're constantly pouring out and ministering to others, like you know that could be formal minister, that could be you know you're a stay-at-home mom and you know you're like ministering to your kids every day and like you exactly know, you're like pouring out or you're like in a job that's like a really high stress job and you're just like walking away exhausted and like pouring out every day. Mm-hmm. It's so important to have. To have those people because I think it's so easy to, like you said, like like that cynicism that can happen and like bitterness that can happen, but also just like I think awareness too. Like you know the like the Bible tells us that the devil walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Mm-hmm. You know I think it's easy. You know like you thinking about like you know if you're like thinking about the way a lion hunts, like you'll mm-hmm. like you never hear a lion like on, on a documentary walking around roaring like announcing its presence mm-hmm. because immediately the group somebody in the group will say hey the enemy like the, the, the enemy is after you it's yeah. coming to get you um but you know if you find yourself in that isolation you're so bound up by the things that you're doing or like not bound up but you're so focused on the things that you're doing you're focused on your own thoughts focused on your own things that you're like all these things that you're caught up in it'd be easy to not hear the roars of the enemy that's coming to devour you so yeah. i think that's super important too like you said like and even and, you know, as you're, like, with the paranoia, like, you're so caught up in your own thoughts and, like, concerned about what may or may not be happening, you won't see the trap that the enemy is trying to set for you that would be clear if you were in a community of people who were, like, saying, hey, like, you need to watch out because this thing's coming up. And, like, I see I see it in your life. This is happening. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, Samantha and I have been really intentional about, like, trying to keep a handle on that mm-hmm. because when we first, we first, like, got into you know leadership type ministry um it was like a recipe for burnout mm-hmm. you know we didn't know what we were doing we didn't know how to handle it yeah. like um and there was a lot of mistakes that we made because of that and we had to learn you know well okay at that time we maybe we didn't feel like we had somebody we could go to but we had each other mm-hmm. you know and now i try to we still we still primarily rely on each other but I also have other people that I go to and sit down with and talk to. If I start, if I if I start feeling like something is just off, mm-hmm. I've been in those places where it's got so far off the rails that it's like, okay, now now I, now there's a problem. Now if I even feel that at all, I try I try to connect with someone who I know I can trust, who I know is going to pray for me, who's yeah. going to go in the trenches for me, yeah. and 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 walk with me through it. And um, and that's really important to have. But early on, you know, you said you know, if you're a stay at home mom, like Sam's going to be like, yeah. Because you know, she's she's with our kids all the time, and that's that is like you're locked in from the time you wake up. You know, sometimes I'll come home from work, and I'm like, hey, you know, because I, I, I drove home and I'm I'm ready to see the kids and stuff, and, and I come in. She's it's just like it's been a wild day, and she's just been pouring out, pouring out, pouring out, pouring out. And uh, there's some days where I'll come in, I'll see her, and I'll be like, all right, kids, we're gonna go to the park. Mommy's gonna go for a run, you know, or just whatever yeah. it may be. And uh, and we try to be intentional about. about recognizing having that awareness of you know I've, I've poured out a lot and i've not been pouring into so so she recognized that she goes hey you need to take some time mm-hmm. i do the same with her um but we need to we need to be able to recognize that with each other mm-hmm. in a community and that requires proximity yeah. it requires us to actually be close together uh to actually spend time together for you to know each other for so you, you to know, know each other yeah. exactly exactly <laughs> so let's talk about this why is community important we've really been kind of already dancing all over this topic but um i i I like the first point here you know it 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 attracts the holy Mm -hmm. spirit when we come together for the purpose of serving christ we're ministers to christ we're doing and that doesn't just look like you know 
we're feeding the homeless, but it does look like we're feeding the homeless. It doesn't look like just preaching, but it does look like preaching. But when we come together to share a meal and to enjoy each other's presence and to uh, just to be together in that moment, like that's out of acts. Like the Holy Spirit is present in those moments. Mm-hmm. You know, the way that the early church would come together and have these, you know, these love feasts, these meals where they just enjoyed being with each other in the celebration of Jesus Christ. Like it's it's really awesome. Um, and I wish we'd do more of that. Uh, <laughs> have I ever shared with you like about about not leaving church and just like back when we yeah. used to have Sunday night yeah. service? I, I said, well, why don't we just do Sunday morning service and then we just have one big meal that the whole church partakes in together. And then after we finish that, we just go right back in the evening yeah. service, which we don't do a Sunday night service like we used to. Um, but when, yeah, when we when Sam and I first started going back to church, we were like, why don't we do that? You know, um, because I thought that would be so cool because that would help me to actually get to know some of my brothers and sisters I don't get to see as much and to sit down and share a meal with them and talk with them because at our at our, com- or our church dinners, I feel like I get to have that time yeah. that I normally don't get to have. So that's something I always I always enjoy whenever I can just sit down and have a conversation with someone. Yeah, um, yeah and I think like, you know, like talking about, you know, two or three gathered together, um, you know, like thinking about this, like gathered together in my name is what it says. And I think mm-hmm. it's in, like it, it, it causes us, if we do this in community in the right way, if we think about it this way, it like shifts our mindset to back to doing everything unto the Lord, you know, like, yes. like you said, like, yes. you know, like you were saying, like whether or not it's like, you know, it doesn't have to be preaching. It doesn't have to be taking communion together. It could be like going and like going and together and just having dinner and going to watch a movie together, going to like the going, like going ax throwing or whatever it is we're doing. Like if we do these things unto the Lord with, with God and what he wants to do in that moment in our life at the forefront of our mind, like, you know, he, he, whenever we invite him into our thoughts, he, but we find him in our every in the minutia of everyday life that we're doing. Yeah. Um, so I think like you know, and as we do that together, and as we are like have that mindset together, it's even more of an attraction for the Holy Ghost to come and sit down in our midst when we do anything together. So, and that's yeah. the whole uh, practicing the presence, Brother Lawrence. You know, that was the whole thing about his life was he said, "I want to have my my entire being focused on God with everything I'm doing, whether I'm washing dishes." I'm saying prayers, I'm sweeping the floor, whatever it is, I want my being to be focused on God, to do it unto him. And it was extraordinary. If you've never read the, have you ever read, is it, I would highly recommend that. It's like, it's, it's a, a, a must read, Brother Lawrence. Um, but, uh, you know, do, like you, you, were, you were saying that, like the axe throwing stuff, it made me think about whatever we were, you know, we were racing go-karts that night. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I, I just, it, I, it was so much fun. And with everything in me under the Lord, I wanted to put you in the wall, but I couldn't because right. she was going to raise the black flag and ban me from the go kart track. <laughs> I was that confident. We were. It was like we were just you know just going on through there. It was neck and neck at times, or it felt like it. I think you were constantly in front of me, and I couldn't get around you. Yeah. But uh, uh, but yeah, I was like, I don't know. That was so much fun, and we had such a good time. Um, and if I could have pit maneuvered you, I 100% would have, you know, and it, it, it would have, I was saying praises while I right. went by, you know, <laughs> right. but, but sometimes people are like, well, that's not, that's not a church stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not church stuff. Well, people come to church all the time. It has nothing to do with Jesus. Yeah, sure. You know, sadly. So w- what does it look like to actually enjoy life together? Yeah. You know, to do stuff that we enjoy. I, I love eating sushi and you, I mean, we share a meal together. Yeah, it sounds great. Let's do it, you know. Um, so when we come together and, and like in the book of Acts, in Acts 2, 42 through 47, it talks about how that they came together, they shared everything, they worshiped together, they 
they had a community that was bound together. They had everything in common. And it says the Lord added daily to their number those that would be saved. The very fact that they were doing life together and you had this growing Christian community of people who were who were linked together in genuine community, and it was like the overflow of that was people were just being added to the community daily. That, that's just that's such a powerful thing. I don't think people realize that when we do community well, because Jesus says that like they'll know you're my disciples by how you love one another. Like when we do that well, when they see that supernatural love, they see that that community that draws people in. People who don't have a community are drawn in by that, whether whether they really want to be or not. There's something in them that longs for it, yeah. um, and, and that's that's life giving. Yeah. yeah. And I think too, like you know, like talking about that, like it goes on. You know, like they talk about the things that they did, and like you know, like talks about like all of the widows were being fed and all of their needs were being met. And I think mm-hmm. too, like you know, go back to this idea of like knowing one another and like knowing our struggles, knowing our needs. You know, I think so many times in church today, like if I feel like we did community in the way that it was God designed for it to be in this life giving way, like we would know whenever somebody has a need before they ever put in a prayer request for it or before they ever had to make a Facebook post about it. Because we just like we're we're like so close knit together. And I'm not talking about like going and living on a commune or anything like that, but like we're so like close knit together. Yeah. Where, you know, we just know each other and we, we know like whenever there's a problem and you can just feel it and like you can discern that in people's lives and to know whenever there's a need in somebody's life to be able to seek that out and meet those needs. Like, and I think that's mm-hmm. a big part of this was like this life-giving thing because, again, I think it's become so even, like, formalized in, like, what we think community has to be that we miss the heart of it. And it's that so we can know one another and know God together. And I think that's something mm-hmm. we miss, and that's, like, a big part that can give us life that we miss out on so many times is because I feel like in our culture today we're so even like again isolated in our own minds even sitting in a room full of people you could be isolated and, and these could be people you hang out with all the time but still like you're closed off from them but I feel like there's such life that if we open up to one another and like allow other people to fill needs in our life it's, it's a powerful thing yeah and honestly like this is this has been an area of like the life of a disciple that I've struggled with a lot at times just being feeling like I you know I was I was plugged into the community like you said you can be in a room full of people and be totally alone, you know, and, uh, you know, and I've had to be intentional about saying, I'm, I'm going to plug in, I'm going to, I'm going to stick with it. And, um, and that's something I'm, I'm still, I'm still learning, growing in, but being a part of the community, like it, it coming into community, it puts you around a group of people who are going to be there for you. Just like you were saying, they know your prayer requests before it even gets said because they're doing life with you. Um, and that's, that's powerful because we can bear each other up. We can, we can be there for one another. Um, and not only that, but like, if if you see something, I know we're going to get into this a little further down, but but a community is refining. Yeah. Like being a part of a community should help me to see Jesus clearer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I should see him much more clear, and I should have people around me who can speak freely into my life. Yeah. You know, um, if if we have true community, then that shouldn't be a problem. I know some people will be like, well, no, you got to watch about who you let in your circle. And okay, I'm talking about like we. If you're in the community, then there shouldn't be a problem with you coming up to me and saying, hey, you know, I just I noticed this. this. is something I wanted to bring to your attention. Okay, yeah, maybe, maybe they don't maybe they don't see the whole picture, and we talk about it, but maybe they see something I don't. Because I, by definition of a blind spot, I don't, I don't know what my blind spots are. Sure. You know, so I need people around me, um, but that takes me being plugged in, but that also takes me being open to cultivating those relationships to allow that 
um, allow those people to speak in. Um, so, well, yeah, I know, I know we're going to, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but, um, but being a part of a community, another thing about it is that it gives you the opportunity, and you talked about having those, you know, those, maybe those older saints that you go to for, for help, for prayer, for, you know, instruction. Um, you know, you've got this dynamic in, in the book of Acts where you've got your Barnabas, your Paul, and your Timothy, you know. Everybody is in all three of those positions. If you're in a community, you're in all three of those positions at once. You're Barnabas to someone else. You're encouraging. You're lifting someone up. You're, you know, you're, you're that, that strength for someone. You're a Paul in that you're setting an example for someone else. Even if you're not teaching a class or you're not a leader in some way, uh, formally, you are still leading as in your example. Uh, when you serve as a door greeter, the way you serve as a door greeter is leading other people around you. They're seeing your example. When you are volunteering at an event, you know, the way that you are, this is the, you know, we have our, uh, the fish fry coming up. It made me think of this, but like when, you know, they're down there cooking food, the way that they're operating amongst that community, even while they're cooking food, like that is giving an example to other people, the character and nature of Christ. Um, so you are still leading even if you, you don't realize that you're formally doing it. But maybe you are formally doing it. Maybe you are formally discipling, discipling people and teaching people or uh, shepherding people. Um, then you're, you're in that Paul position. But we should always be a Timothy. Sure. Yeah. There should never be a time wherever I'm not. Because a, a disciple is a learner. It's a student. So I should always be a Timothy. If I ever find myself in a position where I'm not Timothy, then there's a problem because... I'm always supposed to be a disciple of Christ. I'm always supposed to be learning from him. So I'm, you may be a Barnabas to me. I may be a Barnabas to you. You may be a Paul to me. I may be a Paul to you, um, you know, however, however that may be. Uh, but we're, we all, we always, I feel like in a healthy community, we occupy those three positions at all times yeah. in some way. Um, what, are, what are your thoughts on that? And I think too, like that, like, and we'll, I think we'll get into a little bit, this, a little bit more of this in the next podcast, but you know, our goal as disciples, you know, is always to be making disciples. So if you find yourself in a position where there's not always people that are free being brought in and like that you can be that, be that Paul to their Timothy, like, mm-hmm. you know, those people that if they're, you're not, you're not seeing those people always come in. Like that's our goal is if like, you know, if you're not adding to adding more disciples as you're being a disciple, it doesn't give you that opportunity to like maybe fill that role. And I think that's what God desires for all of us. You know, Pastor preached just last night about you know being accepted and being approved and then being advanced, and I think that's like the, the nature of, of the kingdom is that we find ourselves in discipleship. You know, we will always be learning from others and always be mm-hmm. teaching others at the same time. And I think, and we talk about this too about how you know as iron sharpens iron, uh, one person sharpens another, one person sharpens another, and it really like allows us to become who God has called us to be. And I think. It, when we don't allow community to operate in that way, like some people will miss out on callings that God has for them because like they'll never see like how fulfilled they are whenever they're pouring into another per- person. And like I think sometimes like God can reveal callings through like the fulfillment we get out of doing things at times. Mm-hmm. And I think like you know if we never allow ourselves to be plugged into a community where where we're open to teaching to somebody or being taught by somebody, people are missing out on callings and passions that God is trying to place in their life because they're never able to see fruit from what it looks like to pour into somebody else or to, or to be poured into by someone and see the fruit of that in your life. And I think it's 
really important, like you said, that if we, if we find ourselves not being a Timothy, we need to take a step back and say, okay, like, where have I promoted myself to position where, I, where God has not yet promoted me? And I think that's yeah. important to always take a step back and look at that for sure. Yeah, I like what you said about um, about while we're in the process of doing something, we see God reveal it. That's the whole picture around Damascus. You know, go to Damascus and it'll be revealed. Yeah. He goes to Damascus, sight gets back, Paul gets baptized, he begins to preach the gospel, and in that place, God begins to steer his life because you can't steer a parked car. Yeah, you know, you got to get moving. And a health, like something that I think is healthy in the life of a disciple, is to see them serving, to see yeah. them serving in a community. Yeah. Um, we have the whole, there's the whole, uh, joke about stacking chairs. You know, yeah. if you've, if you've never stacked chairs at a, at a church event, yeah. but you've never actually served, yeah. you know, you, you, you don't know what that's like. Uh, you know, it's like some people have a class ring with their school on it. Other people have a class ring with a fold out metal yeah. chair on it, you know, cause you, <laughs> but I, I expect that I expect that of a life of a disciple to see them serving in some way. Sure. If, if I don't see them serving in the community and they're just coming, uh, okay. Trying to think how if I how I go with this here, um, you got you got givers and takers, sure. you know, yeah. um, somebody who's just coming and being poured into, but they're not pouring back into the community, you know that, and that's not a, you know I'm not condemning anyone, but that's that you should be serving, yeah. you should be plugged in, involved, and honestly, some of the most fun times I've had in the Christian community has been while I've been serving. Yeah. It, I, I've had a blast while I've been serving. Um, uh, you know, whether it's at an event or it's, you know, it's a service at the church, whatever it may be, but coming alongside with each other and serving in the, in the middle of the community, it grows us, it shapes us, it refines us, and we need that. And so if I see someone who's, like, reluctant to serve, then that tells me they're reluctant to actually be a disciple, which tells me they've got a learner problem. Like, we've got, you know, what's, we, we got we to gotta trace this thing down because uh, they're not heading the direction of Christ. They're, you know, they're, they're going their own way. Um, and, and when people start pulling back, they, they quit serving, they quit being connected. Like that's a, that's a sign of there's there's a there's bigger troubles uh, ahead if we yeah. don't get this resolved. Um, so and, be, and we've talked about some of the fun stuff you do in community. Being a part of community is is really fun. Like it, it is fun. We have a good time. Um, but I can be a part of I'm, I'm a part of other communities, not just this the, the the church here, and I have a good time in those. But it ha, but maybe those aren't rooted in like what we're doing here. Maybe it's something else. Maybe I'm a part of a group that, that we, we run. I, I do jujitsu and like I, the gym I go to, uh, and some of those guys are Christians. I've got to know some of them a little bit more and stuff, but, um, but like that's, that's what we're there to do at that gym. And that's, that is a community of itself. It's got its own tribe. It's got its own hierarchy and its own rules and everything. And, uh, um, and that's neat and that's fun, but like, that's not necessarily like this kingdom community we're talking about. So what is the difference between authentic community and just a good social gathering? Sure. What, 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 what in your, in your mind, what was the difference? I, th I think for me, I think it goes back to, it always goes back to the, the fruit of what comes out of the meetings that you have. Like if whenever you get together with this group of people, what's the fruit that comes of it? Because anything mm -hmm. that we do in the kingdom, like anything that we sow into, like God is a God of, of sowing and reaping and like, you know, God of the harvest. So anything that we sow into and we see the fruit of that. So anytime, if, you, if you're getting together with a group of people and every time you walk away, like, like gossiping more or talking differently or doing these things, that's the fruit of that. And you know, that's probably not authentic community. 
and I dare to say there's lots of communities that are they they built that community in a church, but there's no life coming from it. Like again, we talked about community being life giving. Yeah. But I think authentic community really looks like where we're doing these things that we've talked about. We're allowing this community to like deepen our love for one another. If we're allowing this community to unify us in such a way that only this common bond of true discipleship can bind people together. Like, you know, looking at the disciples, like they were bound in such a way that I think we can't really fully comprehend because of their shared experience and because of all these things they went through. But I think when we allow a community to bind us together in that way, it becomes authentic. And through that, I think as well, like, you know, if you're looking at, you're looking at a community, I think, again, it's important. You're looking at the fruit. I think it's important to look at like the depth of what's happening. Like you may like, feel like you can, you know, get together and have a certain experience with somebody, but whenever the rubber hits the road and somebody's going through a tragedy, like tragedy hits somebody's life, you know, like somebody has a family member die or somebody has a miscarriage or somebody has any of these things that happen, you know, like really, like, are those people there with you in that season? Are those people there? Are they there to celebrate your, to, to celebrate your victories and to mourn your losses and to guide one another through failures and trials and I think that's really what authentic and biblical community is is there's this there's this depth to it that you don't see from from the world because again the world is so fickle and you know you can have a friend today and not have them tomorrow but whenever we're bound together in authentic community and discipleship I think you see it from that fruit where you're you know you're doing these things and I think something that I've been that God's really been dealing with me lately is about this idea in the early church where you know again all things were common they knew everything about one another they knew each other's needs they knew each other's failures and i think so many times like again talking about ministry specifically i think so many ministers are so hesitant to develop this group of people around them where they can because none of us are without sin and none of us are without flaws but really developing these communities where we feel like even though you may be a pastor of a church or you may be have people that are under you, but having this these people where you know you can be accountable to them and they can be accountable to you to share your sin so that we can be reconciled to one another. Mm-hmm. Um, because again, and like you know, thinking about like having all against your brother and bringing your offering to bringing your offering to the temple, and the Bible talks about that. And again, I think just like that we've like gotten so far away from confessing sin to one another because I think we've gotten so scared of the repercussions because I think so many people have been wounded by people who weren't, didn't have their best interest at heart and weren't in this authentic community that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's important, like, again, like always go back to the fruit and then like correction too. And I'd be interested to hear what you have to say about like being in the community of people that can, you can be corrected by and you can correct one another in a biblical way. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think that, that we need that aspect of community. We need, we need to have correction in the community again. Um, so as a, there's two different ways to look at this. As a peer and then as a um, leader, follower type, or uh, you know, you're serving a ministry, you're over ministry. Um, I think as a peer, I would, I would say, you, for one, you have to be on it. You, you have to... Work to be unoffendable. Let me back up. If you're following Jesus, it's not hard to follow his commandments. If you're, if you're being led by the Holy Spirit, it's either incredibly easy to follow Jesus or it's not. Like, it's, this is how this goes. If I'm having to work really hard to follow Jesus, then I'm doing something in my own strength. That includes not being offended. If I, if I want to be in a community where I can expect a brother to come to me, sister to come to me and say, hey, as your brother, sister in Christ... I see something that, that's, that's kind of an issue. I have to, one, 
be willing to actually receive that. There are so many Christians who want to be a part of a community, but the moment you come around them and say, hey, you're, you're posting some really weird stuff on social media, and, you know, why are you doing that for? Offended, instantly, ready to quit the church. Why? Why is that? And that's, that's I'm not, there's no, nobody specific in mind when I say that. That's just, that's just a scenario that's common because of social media. But it's not just that. It could be, hey, uh, maybe, you know, uh, and this is, you know, Baker's a part of Pursuit, and Samantha and I lead it, but, like, this would be a good example of this. Humility. Like, that's when, that's, humility is the key to not being offended. If Baker and I are at work together, and he sees me partaking in a conversation that is obviously not glorifying to Christ, and takes me over to the side and says, hey, uh, I kind of kind of overheard some of the stuff you guys were saying over there. Like, why were you, why were you doing that? I, I could either say, Hey, don't worry about it. Yeah. Or with humility, I could say, you know what? You're right. You're right. So there's an aspect of this. I don't think we, we didn't put down, but, but you, you've got to be able peer to peer, be willing to have a brother, or sister come to you and be open to, re- to hear what they say. Maybe it's not right. Maybe, th- maybe their perception of the things is incorrect and you can talk about it. That's an opportunity for you to connect. You, know, you can sit down and say, hey, um, I see this going on, or I heard this. I was hearing this. You know, is this true? Uh, you know, it just it, it kind, of, it kind of worried me when I, was, I overheard somebody share something, or somebody came to me and, and told me something, and I, I, wasn't, I wasn't ready to hear gossip, but I am coming to you because this is something that someone said, and I want to know what's going on in your life. Is everything okay? Um, I can't get offended at that. I have to be able to have humility and say, hey, um, you know, well, hold on, let's, let's talk about the situation and maybe add clarification, and they see, oh, this, this person didn't understand or something I saw or heard I misunderstood, but maybe they're right. And maybe they're coming to me, most likely they're coming to me because the Holy Spirit has, has led them there because he cares about me. And I have to be willing and open to receive that correction from a brother or sister. You know, and, and if I want to keep this from going to the second and third level, you know, correction then I have to keep a heart of humility. Um, now, as a leader, bringing correction and discipline to someone who uh, is serving under me, then like I have to do that with humility as well because Jesus doesn't beat me over the head. The Father doesn't scream at me, you know. I, and, and, I've, and I have been, uh, I've been guilty of getting passionate, you know, and, and I've had to apologize whenever I've been having discussions with people um, about things before. And that's somewhere I've had to, to be able to be willing to grow in. But if I'm approaching someone in the community who looks up to me as a leader, then I have to be, I have to have extreme humility and care. This is, this is one nobody likes. I have to actually be an example of Jesus. Nobody wants to be corrected by someone who doesn't look like Christ. Like, come on. You know, there's, there's I've had people come to me before and like, point something out. Okay, let me hear you out. And what they're, what they're pointing out, what they perceive as an issue with me, which actually, you know, through the conversation, we realized was some misunderstanding. Um, it was, I, I could see in the conversation that they were, they were just wanting to correct me for correction's sake. Yeah. 
it wasn't it wasn't necessarily coming from a place of like care and love. Now I could have still reacted to that and said, you know, back off. No, that wasn't the right way. I still need to have humility because, hey, you know what? There's still a lesson I can learn here. Even if this person's wrong in the way they're going about it, or if they're wrong in their motive, whatever it may be, and that doesn't happen. Things like that don't happen often. But I still have a choice to to put my ego aside and to be humble and say, okay, I appreciate you being willing to come. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Let's have a conversation about it. Let's figure out, let's get to the bottom of this. Um, so there's the peer-to-peer. There's the leader to the one they're, that they're leading. But also, you know, and, you, and the leaders have to look like Christ. There's, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Like, yeah. you, you, shouldn't be, you shouldn't be leading if there's compromise, sure. you know. And if there is, then you need to fix it. There's no, there's no um, condemnation. Like if another leader came to me and said, "Hey, this is going on in my life," you know, and it's, and it's obviously some kind of compromise. Okay, let's let's get it resolved. Let's let's stop this before it becomes an even bigger issue. We're not correction isn't about to to. It's not about being out to get somebody. It's about I want to see you restored back to the position of being influenced. And filled with the Spirit day in and day out, so that you can effectively be like Christ everywhere you go. That's what we're there for. And as a leader, I have to be receptive to someone who I'm leading coming to me and, and saying, "Hey, um, I don't know what this was about, but I saw this or I heard this," and and, and having the humility to be approachable. Uh, and a lot of leaders, I think, in my experience, you know, throughout life, whether in the church or out of the church, a lot of leaders have have trouble with that. And that's, I think that's just part of the territory, but that's why it requires us to be even more diligent and say, God, I need you to help me be humble. Um, yeah, is that, was that clear? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think, like you said too, like going back to like of what we want community, like what, what community should look like in our life. And again, like we said, it's always, it's, it's refining. It's like, it's, it's, mm-hmm. these, it's this thing that allows us to be unified together and allows us to become better. And I think, you know, if you like to facilitate that, it sometimes takes this correction, like you said. With mm-hmm. it. And you look at, you know, talking about leaders, you know, looking at people like whenever people would come to Jesus with questions, you know, he never like scoffed at them or he never like like made degraded them for the questions that he had, like that they had that they had. Mm-hmm. He always answered it in a way that they could understand and answered it with love. And I think that's a part. And he did it with his disciples, you know. And he, sometimes he had to reprove them and correct them at mm-hmm. times because of their thoughts and actions, but it was always for their benefit. And I think that's something we have to keep in mind as long as, again, like looking at fruit, like, you know, like you said, like look at, you're looking for your leaders to be somebody who look like Jesus. I think as long as they look like Jesus and you trust in their, in their ability to hear the Holy Spirit and be able to know the word of God and know what God says over your life, I think we can take that correction in order to know, like, hey, this is, this is life giving to me, Mm -hmm. even though it may be difficult to hear or whatever. Um, like this is what this this is what they're there for. This is what these people that are around me are there for, and allowing like allowing those difficult conversations to happen and the growth that comes from it to come in our life. And I think that's something that's so like absent from the church today, and absent with so many churches and so and like mm-hmm. with so many so, with so many leaders and so many people because people have gotten so uncomfortable with that. I think, and I think that's something that God is wanting to do in our land again today and like in our world for sure. Yeah, and and I I mean I. I will seek out feedback from people, yeah. you know, because I want to, I want to do the best I can. I didn't always do that, yeah. but I want to do the best I can. So uh, I'll, I'll seek that out sometimes for people and be like, Hey, tell me, what do you see? What do you see? Is there, is there anything here that you see that's off Any attitude, any action, whatever it may be. 
um, because I don't see everything, you know, I don't see everything around me, maybe that uh, my, in my blind spots. Um, but yeah, I feel like we should, we should sometime do just like a, a whole podcast over like correction and discipline and growth in a community like that, because that's important. That's a, that's an important part of community that, that like you said, is just neglected many times, but it's never correcting. Someone is never for the benefit of the one correcting. It's always for the one being corrected. Yeah. And I, sometimes people will, you know, someone who's in ministry in some way, they'll be in the community. They'll, they'll have to undergo correction, discipline, whatever that may be. However that looks to the degree it needs to be done. Um, and traditionally it's been like, as soon as they're, as soon as they're correcting discipline, the, the, the goal is to just get them back into their position. The, the body of Christ has done more damage to ministers by correcting them back to a pulpit than in, where instead of correcting them back to the arms of Jesus, yeah. like, man, how many, how many ministries have, have fallen because someone, there was a problem, they were corrected, but they put them right back up on the stage instantly yeah. instead of saying, no, you're going to take some time. Like our goal is not to get you back to your ministry or your gift or your calling. Our goal is to get you back to your first love, yeah. you know? Um, and that should be the heart and the, the, the purpose behind correction and discipline at any time, at any time whatsoever. Yep. Um, yeah, thanks for bringing that up. That was good. Um, all right. So in a, in a community, I think the last thing we'll hit here as we, as we start kind of winding down because we've been going for 49. I, I told you it was going to yeah. be long. I, when we started this, I was like, oh, this is going to be a pretty good one. Then we got to talking about it beforehand. I was like, this is going to be a while. Um, but breadth versus depth in the yeah. community. Like, uh, we've kind of hit on that, I think, with talking about what, what genuine, true community is. But, like, what would you say is the difference between having a community of breadth versus a community of depth? I'm trying to think. So I think really, because like, I think it's, it's easy for us, like, as the world sees things. It's like if you see, um, I think it's almost like a, like a, a question of, like, quantity over quality, I think you could see a lot of times. Yeah, that's, that's exactly yeah. it, yep. Um, just, be, just because I feel like, you know, like, oh, like, it looks like these people are, like, are, like, doing all these things together all the time. Like, you know, they're always, like, they've, like, they've got their foot on the show, like, it's always on social media. They're always doing one thing after another. Like, they're always going to do this, that, and the other. Mm-hmm. But again, like, you know, are they really, you know, are they, like, are they breaking open the word together? Are they, like, bringing forth, like, questions they have about the Bible? Are they, like, bringing forth issues that they have? Like, are they, are they doing these things and allowing other people to speak life into them and allowing other people to correct them and, and build them up whenever they need it? And I think that's really a big thing, I would say, is really, like, you know, looking at it. And we've talked about this even among our friend group recently. And it's, like, awesome, like, how much we get to hang out and do all these things together and we're all believers. And I know more than anything that if I ask any of these people to pray for me or that I don't have a need, mm-hmm. they'll, they'll do it. But, I mean, again, but, like, again, like, how much more does God want us to grow in the Word together? How much more does God want us to grow in His Spirit together um, mm-hmm. as a group, as, as we do it individually and allowing each other to build each other up? So I think that's probably the way I think about it. At least. I don't know. Yeah. So we're really digging into this where we're putting yeah. roots down. Yeah. We're you know, digging wells that are actually going to have life and yeah. water. You know, Instead of just having like, we've got all these friends that are in it, but there's no depth. There's no relationship. Yeah. Um, and... The you know, Hebrews ten twenty four through twenty five says, "Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching." So, like, this is talking about coming together and actually 
encouraging, pouring into each other, lifting each other up, doing life together, meeting each other's needs. Like That's what this community looks like, a community of people who love Jesus and love one another in a way that is completely foreign to the world. Like People should look at the way we love and be like, I've never seen that before. You know, in that way, when they look at our communities, until you know the knowledge of God covers the earth as the waters of the sea, and His love is is just abounding. But in, in the meantime, as we are displaying Christ to the world, they should see our love for one another in our community. Um, it's it's where we come together. We encourage each other. It's our opportunity to be refined, uh, to grow as followers of, of God, pursuing God and His kingdom. Um, so you know, to kind of sum all this up, like. Being a part of a community is being a part of a group of people where it's real, it's genuine, we're doing life together, and we're doing life together with Christ. Yep. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote um, a book called uh, Life Together, and it's about community. It's about this kind of almost, um, he wrote it out of this time where he had this, it, it was during uh, you know, World War II era, um, and they were at a, at a location where they were still trying to maintain this Christian community in the midst of all this darkness and the Nazis and everything that was going on. Um, so if you could ever read, if you, have you ever read any of Bonhoeffer's stuff? I've already read parts of the Bible Smuggler, I think. That's him, right? The what? Bible Smuggler, that's him? Uh, no. That's story about him. No, that's, that's not, that's not him. him, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so he, um, he wrote like um, Cost of Discipleship. That's a classic. It's He's he's really hard theologian. Like he's, He draws a hard line, but... It's good stuff. Um, but if you ever get a chance to read the Eric Metaxas Bonhoeffer biography, or yeah, biography, and um, and read his book Life Together afterward, you'll see when he wrote that, you know, during the biography and like what all was going around, uh, going on around him. But he was trying to cultivate this community of Jesus lovers with these like these young people, and it was really cool. And that kind of made me think about that. They were just doing life together, having every everybody's needs in common, kind of like, like what the scripture says. So we need community as disciples, as disciples of Christ, whether you're a, a leader, as in you got a title, or you're not. We need community. We have to come together because we can't do this alone, right? Anything else to add before we wrap up? I don't think so. All right. Well, that being said, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll land this plane and uh, see you next week. And go and do what Jesus said. <laughs>